when we're at our best, whether you're an artist, a musician, uh, no matter what you do, when you're at your best and you're producing your best work, you are channeling. So everyone is a channel. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life, but it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey, and that's what you're gonna get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm your host, Becky Fleischer. It is so great to be back with all of you again. I've taken a little break. I announced on my Instagram last month that I was going to take a breather from the show for a few weeks to make some space for some creative work that's been coming through. And I just want to tell you a little bit about it because it has been so very nourishing and more rewarding than I ever could have imagined. And so I just want to encourage everyone, if you're feeling at any point in time life telling you to slow down or to take a little break, take a breather, do it. You should absolutely do it. Take the space, take the time where you can. I know it's not possible to just turn everything off. And certainly I haven't been able to turn everything off. I'm, I'm happy that we've been very busy in the studio But in some other areas, I kind of had to wind down to make some space. And I just, I'm so glad that I have. And I just, I want that for everyone. I wish that for everyone. So when I dropped the last show, I was heading back home to Indiana to see my family after being apart for over 17 months. And you guys, oh, what a trip. What a trip it was. I really... Ah, I really don't have words for how powerful that trip was for me on so many different levels. It just really propelled me forward in such a strong way. I was there for almost a full week. I got there on a Monday and I left on a Sunday. Glorious. I I never get that much time at home. And on the last day on Sunday, I went out on a run you know, running along the cornfields where my mom lives. It's all flat land and there's cornfields on one side and soybeans on the other side. And all of a sudden, this little phrase dropped into my head and it said, you should really write a song called Indiana Air. And very quickly after that, another knowing dropped into my head and it said, you need to write this song with an old bandmate of mine. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. We haven't written songs together before. He's a songwriter, but we had never done that together before. So I stopped right there and I got my phone out and I texted him and I said, hey, I'm out in Indiana. I'm on this run and this just popped into my head. Would you be game for writing a song about this? He replied back immediately. Yes, he's so excited. Be happy to do it. And let me tell you guys, that was on a Sunday. Yeah, that was on a Sunday. I think it was Monday night. It might have been Tuesday night of that that next week. He FaceTimed me and said, this will just take a few minutes. And he started playing me the song that he had started on. And I was at, I was just, I'm flabbergasted now thinking about it. It was beautiful. And what really got me, a lot of the things that I had written down, I had made lots of notes about things I wanted to incorporate into the song and the feel and the intention and everything about it none of which I had shared with him. None. They were in the song, you guys. He had already started crafting it, and his lyrics, a lot of the lyrics reflected the intentions that I had and the very words that I had written down in my iPhone notes that he had never seen. That was on Tuesday night, and I think by Wednesday, like I kind of did my pass at the song, 
that song was pretty much done in less than a week. Like it happened so fast. And it was the first time we had ever co-written together. It's the first time he had ever co-written at all. It was so crazy. Then later that week, I had a session with a client who had gone through my core values workshop, and she was now wanting to work on some inner critic things. So, And and I took her through a workshop that I've been working on for inner critic that I wanted to do similar to the core values workshop. I want to do one on the inner critic. So I took her through that material. And watching her in that session shift so visibly to see the separation happening right in front of my eyes of her releasing her inner critic, of being able to hold it apart from her true self, it was so beautifully moving. She finished that session and said, I mean, she was in tears and said, I, this is maybe one of the most powerful things I've done to be able to look at her inner critic and to really separate it out and to look at her critic with some compassion, but with distance and to learn kind of how to navigate with the critic. I explained to her that this was, you know, phase two. I was thinking about making that a second phase of a workshop after the core values one since she had been part of that. And and she was like, Becky, you, you have to. Like, you have to get that workshop out there. This was so powerful. So I had this week, right, where I was just getting hit with all these amazing things coming in. And that was the week I had – my intention was to come back and to launch another podcast and to get it out and to keep going. But I really felt this need to pause and really give space and honor kind of what was unfolding here with these these new kind of creative veins. And I, I did an Instagram post about it. You can go back and look at it if you want to, a little video. But it was just really about how I can feel things taking root. And to go on with this theme, I won't go on very much longer, but just to say that my friend and I who wrote Indiana Air together – we decided to start another song. And you guys, it's it's coming together just as fast. It's unbelievable how it's just snapping into place. And the title of that song is called Big Shadows. It's really about shadow work. You know, those parts of ourselves that we don't want to acknowledge, that we don't really want to own or see, but that can keep us really torn as a human being if we don't learn to look at them and really incorporate them into our lives. So we started on this song, Big Shadows. I go home, literally, I'm like scrolling through Instagram, and I see a post by someone I follow saying that this week we have a new moon solar eclipse in the sign of Gemini, and it's about facing our own twin or shadow self. Then the next day, Richard Rohr, who you guys know I love, his daily meditations for this week that we're in, are dedicated to shadow work as well. Here we are writing this song about shadow work before I had seen any of that or read any of that. It's just, it's all coming together. It's all gelling together. And when these things start to happen, when work that makes a big impact comes to you so easily or a song unveils itself so quickly, you know, I've said this before about some of my songs, some of them just come through me. That's kind of how Indiana Air was. It really just kind of came through us. And this other song is really just coming through. I really don't consider them mine. I I really, at that point, feel like I'm just the receiver, the translator of this thing that's meant to bring beauty, love, grace, whatever you want to call it. It's meant to come into the world, and I'm just here to embody it. So it's only fitting that the podcast that I have been trying to get to, to get out to all of you, is the one I'm bringing you today. And it's with my guest, David Strickle. From early childhood, David has received what he refers to as guidance from source. During his teenage years, he developed a deep understanding of universal laws, and he used these teachings that he was getting from source to overcome enormous obstacles, which he shares with us in today's show. He developed an ability to share this guidance for the benefit of others and has created a simple set of tools that has profoundly transformed every aspect of his life, and it has delivered amazing amounts of joy and clarity and abundance. These tools have become a practice that he has put together called the Taya Practice, Trust Your Abundance. 
Through his best-selling book, radio show, podcast, and online training programs, he has helped transform the lives of those seeking a new way all around the globe. So all of that is a fancy way of saying that David is a channel. And if that makes your anxiety spike up a touch, you're not alone. When David's team reached out about being on the show, this was months and months ago, probably at the beginning of the year now, I will tell you that I paused for more than a minute before I said yes. You see, the echoes of my Catholic upbringing get really loud when I encounter what I'm going to call energy workers or energy people. You know, shamans, mediums, astrologers, all of whom I have worked with and all of whom have imparted such warm and wonderful wisdom that was so clearly rooted in love and connected to the divine that it just couldn't be denied. So for me, I didn't really care who was bringing me the information. The information was resonating with me and it felt powerfully positive and it was helping me in very productive ways in my life. So I didn't care so much, you know, their titles, even though they kind of freaked me out a little bit. (laughs) But working with someone privately and having someone on the show who I don't know and I haven't worked with is kind of another thing. So it gave me a little bit of pause to interview David and to agree to have him on the show. But you guys, I didn't need to worry at all. You're going to hear right away David's genuine warmth, his patience, and his really deep understanding of universal law and how we can apply it in our lives. And what I love the most about him and his message is that if this isn't for you, that's okay. There's no pressure here. His path is his, and he offers another doorway to the divine. I hope that you can take whatever serves you, leave the rest, and more than anything, I hope you enjoy this conversation with David Strickle as much as I did. David Strickle, welcome to Unleash Your Soul Song. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I always love having people on the show. I love talking to people and learning about their experiences. But as my audience knows, because I have I have admitted this before, I'm always nervous before I do an interview. And today, I have to admit that my nerves feel a little extra tingly because you're a little different from most of my guests in a way that both really fascinates me and also intimidates me just a little bit. So I'm going to go right for it. You receive what you call downloads of thought from a group of non-physical entities or a conscientious energy that you call the stream. Break this down for me, David. What is that <laughs> What is that all about? <laughs> what is this weird stuff that you say that you're all about? Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I love that, by the way. I do love that. So everybody has a connection to what I call source, and we all call it something different, but everybody has a connection. And for me, my connection was something that I never learned as a child to ignore or drown out because we typically do. Children are very wondrous and they have imaginary friends and they have great imaginations. And our society typically sort of trains that out of us in childhood. And for me, that was not trained out of me and not because I had super woo woo parents (laughs) or anything like that. (laughs) It was because I had really disconnected parents. So I was really sort of left to my own devices almost from age six on. And I I didn't grow up with a pack of wolves or anything like that, but I grew up in a very uh, disconnected household where I really had to figure things out for myself throughout my entire childhood. And I always had this inner voice that was intelligent and I knew things that the adults around me hadn't yet figured out, or I knew things that were contradictory to what I was being taught that I have now proven to myself in my adult life that are true. So I had that level of knowing, and I used to just refer to it as that it's my knowing. And so I remember as a child being raised in a a rather poor household, being taught that material things were out of our reach and that anybody that had money was evil. And in teaching such as that around material things, mainly because we were poor. And so when you're poor, everything in the world is about not being poor anymore, right? Sure. So especially as a child. So I had this knowing that would come to me and really contradict what my parents were saying. And I really viewed them uh, as, a, as a very young child, even prior to age six, because my father left when I was six. And I, re- I recall 
uh, situations with my mother and father where they would say things like that. And even as a small child, I knew that that wasn't true, that that wasn't the way the universe worked. But of course, I had no idea that, that I was different or that I had some ability that everybody else didn't have. It was just my personal experience. And I didn't really become aware of that until my teenage years, my early teens. I, I recall at age 14, way back in 1982, <laughs> a very, very long time ago now. <laughs> But I recall at 14 telling my older brother in detail that we created our own reality and that whatever reality we wanted to create for ourselves, if we imagined it first and, and just let it be, that our reality would morph into that. Basically, what we now know is the law of attraction. I thought it was something that I created. <laughs> I thought it was my invention. Of and course, perfect, I, perfect egoic child of, of mind, course, right? <laughs> of course, and you know it's it's not much better now. <laughs> but the uh, you know the, I just remember distinctly telling my brother about this, and he thought I was crazy. He told me to go read my Bible and pray. He was very religious, and I just knew that that would work, and it did. And from my poor child perspective, living in a minimum wage single parent household. I manifested a high school existence like one of the rich kids in town. I had a brand new car. I had nice clothes. I had a fancy watch. You know, I had all the things all the other rich kids had, and I looked like one of them and acted like one of them, but I went home to a roach-infested two-bedroom apartment every night. So that was my experience in high school. And then I, I sort of took that into adulthood, and there's a lot of things that are very uh, common teachings across humanity that I didn't adhere to. I was not a good student. I really didn't get past the 10th grade in school. Uh, I got a GED and started my own business uh, in my late teens. And from there, got into the corporate world and learned how to operate in the corporate world, even without a formal education. And I was very successful at that for a long time. Until I got into my early 40s, when I really was delving into what was really going on with me. You know, by the time I was a teenager, Throughout my 20s and 30s, I was on this very long journey of, of understanding what that knowing was and why I was different than a lot of other people, why I had this level of understanding of universal law, even though I wasn't fully applying it in my life, I just knew. And what is that? You know, somebody that's not textbook smart or educated, how did I know these things? So the journey of, of coming to fully understand that lasted over 20 years, really 25 years, if you think about from age 14 to 40. So in that time, I would see psychics and, you know, just to find out what was going on, I was really not uh, into spirituality mm -hmm. and I'm really still, still not into spirituality, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was raised in Christianity. I sort of uh, let all that go in my 20s. Uh, I would explore spirituality a little bit, but it really didn't, really didn't ring my bell. I really needed to figure this out for myself. And I'm a self-taught person in every sense of the word. I've taught myself how to do just about everything in life. So I really had to delve into it. And my mechanism was to go see psychics. And I had a psychic tell me that I was a channel. And I remember thinking, well, what is a channel? <laughs> you know, I don't feel like I'm a psychic medium. I'm not seeing dead people all the time. I had some of those experiences when I was younger, but I wasn't seeing that. I wasn't having that experience. I didn't want to be that. Mm. I was very much judging that as that's crazy. That's weird. I don't want to be one of those weird people. I just want to be successful in life. I want to be happy. I want to live in financial abundance. I want to have all the possessions and, and experience all the experiences. And that's what I want out of life. But I wanted to do, to do it in a very 3D way, meaning typical, you know, mainstream humanity, mm -hmm. not in a way that I thought was weird or woo-woo. You know, I didn't see myself behind beads with a crystal ball <laughs> <laughs> or with a ponytail or all of those things that I stereotyped the spiritual community as. So I really, really shunned that stuff for many, many years. And I saw a psychic in the early 2000s in a little village called Casadega, Florida. It's a little spiritual uh, village. And I went to see this lady named Hazel and she lived in a little pink house and she was the best psychic medium I'd ever seen at that point. And she dove right in and said, you are a channel. This is what you are. And you need to pay attention to this. And she pulls out this box set of cassette tapes. <laughs> and this was way beyond cassette tape time. And uh, it was Abraham Hicks material. Have you ever heard of Abraham Hicks? Peripherally, I, I'm not directly, but I've heard of. Okay, well, Abraham today is is probably the most successful person that's channeling. Mm. So there's a woman named Esther Hicks. She channels uh, 
non-physical energy called Abraham. So there is a whole channeling world out there. And I was mm -hmm. not aware of it at that time, as I'm sure many of your listeners may not be aware of it now. And it seemed very bizarre to me, you know, what is this person speaking? What is this? You know, are yeah. they possessed? Uh, you know, are they just crazy? You know, what's going on? And I sort of avoided it yet again. But the more I got into uh, my late 30s, early 40s, the more I was, I was getting this understanding of things from an adult perspective that I even knew as a child, it made a lot more sense as an adult. And then this book came out called The Secret. You've probably heard mm. The Secret. Yes, I've heard uh, of that. Mm -hmm. All about law of attraction. It's actually one of the best-selling books of all time. And I read The Secret. And I'd already read a book called Think and Grow Rich that was uh, produced back in the 40s prior yes. to that. Mm -hmm. And both of these books are about law of attraction. And I really loved them because I came to understand that this knowing that I had as a child was what we now refer to as universal law and that other people know about it. And it is a thing and it does work in your life, but it can be very frustrating and very confusing. Mm -hmm. So I realized around the time the secret came out, I was in my early forties and I realized the whole idea of manifestation and from being a poor child with no formal education, I had manifested my way into the million dollar house. I had a Porsche and a Mercedes and, you know, I had a high paying job. I had all of the, the things that I thought I was supposed to have to be happy. And I liked my things. And I enjoyed having those things and it really fed my ego that I managed to achieve all of that against all odds, but I still wasn't really happy. Mm. There were a lot of other areas in my life that weren't working. I was about hundred pounds overweight. I had chronic back pain. I was addicted to back, uh, to uh, hydrocodone. Um, I was in a relationship that was not serving either one of us <laughs> at that time. And I had really wound myself up into this high paying corporate job. And even though I beat all the odds to get there, I still had fear about not having that job or leaving that job, even though I very much wanted to be an entrepreneur again, the way I was in my, my late teens. So I really dug deep into my own knowing, but at the same time, rediscovered these teachings of, of Abraham, which uh, were our very mainstream in, in the world of, I don't want to say mainstream, in the world of channeling the most successful channeled material there is to date is, is are the Abraham teachings. There are also a collection of books uh, that were New York Times bestsellers a while back called Conversations with God. Mm -hmm. That's all channeling as well. Interesting. And there's teachings of Eckhart Tolle. You know, Eckhart Tolle is a channel. He just doesn't proclaim that he's a channel, but he he's sharing wisdom that is definitely channeled wisdom. Really? So there's but a lot I, of... Go I ahead. think a lot of people will find that interesting because you're right. He does not, he doesn't say he's a channel. So no, I think it's smart that he doesn't do that because it allows people to just to absorb the message, but I can watch him and listen to him and know that that's coming from beyond him. He's even said mm -hmm. that to Oprah, that mm -hmm. he's in this meditative state almost all the time where he's able to share. That's all channeling is, mm. you know, that's what it is. And there, there's some theatrics involved sometimes with people you know, going into this mode and doing all these things. And even when I channel, I shift gears a little bit and it, it's a little different than talking to me, certainly. Um, but we can all tap into that when we're at our best, whether you're an artist, a musician, uh, no matter what you do, when you're at your best and you're producing your best work, you are channeling. So everyone is a channel. Yeah, I, I love how that's that you started it that way. And you said everyone has a source, has a connection to source. Everyone has a connection to source. And I I agree with you there completely. I think that's right. And that source has many different names. We've talked about talked about it on the show with other guests that, you know, traditionally the name for that source is God, but that's become a very loaded term and sadly has become a narrow term to mean religion. And, you know, I do think that we all have that connection to source. And so what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say, is that you just have cleared your connection and you just have a very clear connection. And so it's coming in very strongly for you. Right. And I have taught myself to speak it. Mm. And it's really interesting because, you know, I was told that I was a channel. I was told that this, this information that would just pop into my mind was from something beyond me, my own intelligence. And I can absolutely say that that's true today because so many of the things that have come from the stream and, and we call what I channel the stream. And I think it is helpful for me to get into that channeling mode and really 
define the difference between this is coming from David's ego. This is the imperfect human version of David. And this is coming from the stream. So you, you know, from, from whom you're hearing. And uh, I'm writing my second book right now about the practice that we've created. And we have a developmental editor going through the book who is not into this at all, (laughs) which is perfect. Because I said it I want, might help. <laughs> right. I, I want the book to speak to anyone who picks it up, whether they're into this already or not, or they've ever heard of me or the stream or any of this or not. So her going through that, and she's very sharp, you know, her going through that and asking the questions that someone who's new to this would ask is very helpful in the book. And she was a skeptic about channeling. And she circled back to the editor and said, you know, I was skeptical about channeling until I started reading his writing. And there's such a difference between David and the stream in the book. And she said she liked the stream's writing so much better. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, why can't David write like the stream? Well, you know, it's two different things, really. So. So how do how do you know? I mean, that's because you're taking me right to a question that I had, you know, when I first was introduced to your material and, uh, you know, started reading about you. How do you know the difference between what is David and what is the stream? Yeah, that, that took a long time to develop. That took mm-hmm. uh, about a decade to develop from my early 40s. I'm 53 now, and I started sharing it publicly about three years ago. Mm. So. I had to teach myself and I was very inspired by Abraham channeled by Esther Hicks. Mm -hmm. She made it seem not weird for me. The Abraham material and Abraham teachings, um, are, are very palatable. You know, she's not jerking around. She's not talking in strange tongues. It's a little different than Esther, but I was very inspired by that. But her path was sort of miraculous. It's something that just sort of exploded from her at some point and everything changed. Whereas I've been developing this over my lifetime and I had to literally teach myself to speak it, but I had to get into the, the, the vibration, if you will, of knowing that I was in high appreciation of all that is, Mm. that is your source connection. Everybody, anybody that's listening, when you are in high appreciation of all that is because source does not judge and source does not experience fear. So when you take yourself to that space of appreciating all that is, and a lot of times people accompany that with breath work, and I have found that breath work is very helpful. It does relax you. And when you get relaxed and when you sort of release all of those fearful egocentric thoughts and just appreciate all that is, then you, you are one with source because that is the source vibration. And it sounds like, you know, okay, why do we even want to do that? Well, every, Every new thought, all of our intuition, all of the the good things that we do are in connection to source. And by good, I mean the things that we want, the things that we discern as our preference. All of that is is a product of our source connection. And I can go, you know, we can talk for four hours about that, so I won't go too deep into that. But I get into that space of meditation, raising my vibration, relaxing, being in high appreciation of all that is. And then I physically feel it. I had an experience in 2010 that a lot of people refer to as a Kundalini awakening. Mm. And it was one of the first times I actually sat and meditated. And in this meditation, this energy erupted at the base of my spine and electrified me. And to this day, I still have that electrified feeling when I'm in that state. So if I'm angry, if I'm, you know, not feeling well, if I'm in a bad mood, whatever it is, I don't have access to that. But I don't spend much time there anymore. <laughs> I used to spend plenty of time there. So I really work to keep my vibe high just by finding appreciation for everything throughout the day. Uh, daily meditation helps, but I don't always have time to meditate every single day. I, I'm not a fan of, of forcing yourself to meditate every day. And getting into that vibrational space and relaxing and just allowing the thoughts to come in eventually I was trying to, I was trying to make myself speak it and that did not work very well at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was trying to allow this sort of possession type scenario where this, this thing is going to come over me and just take over my body. And it really isn't like that. It's sort of like I'm allowing my consciousness to step back and I'm allowing this knowing to come in. And then I just begin speaking it. 
And that's the best. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but that's the best I can describe <laughs> it uh, because I taught myself how to do this. No one taught huh. me how to do it. So I taught myself how to do it. And then when I would start speaking, the more we get into, you know, the more I get into speaking and the more someone is asking and the deeper the questions go, the more new information comes forth that I absolutely know is not for me because I am astounded at what comes very often. And then when you start to piece all the teachings together, it starts to make so much sense Hmm. that, and it's something that I would have never thought of. You know, I am constantly amazed at some new question that comes along three years into sharing this, that I would have never thought to ask Hmm. and somebody does. And this new information comes out and I have yet to ever see them stumped. The only caveat to all of that is, is that I still need to understand the question and it needs to be in English because that's the only language I really speak. <laughs> the other mm-hmm. languages are so broken that I can't really communicate in them for, for my um, uh, intellect. And I need to understand. So if somebody comes and says, okay, well, you're the source of all creation. Tell me how to do brain surgery. Well, I don't comprehend how to do brain surgery. I've never been in medical school. I don't know how to do that. So they would go into their version of that maybe, but it wouldn't, it would not translate to the English human version of how to do something like that. Does that make sense? Hmm. So yeah, that's we always just say it's, it's gotta be within my intellect and my vocabulary. As long as it's, as long as I can understand the question, then I can deliver an answer. Interesting. Well, I, I mean, it does bring me great comfort when you said it's not like it's a body possession or anything. Not that my comfort is what's important here right now, but uh, it does help take away some of the fear that I think people may have about channeling. Because when you hear that word, it sounds like, I don't know why, there, there's some association with possession and, you know, like you're being possessed by something that's not you know, maybe a positive source, but, but to hear you talk about it and the way that you're hearing it and it's, it's, it's tapping into that higher vibration. It's allowing gifts of consciousness to come to you, which I believe that happens. I mean, we talk about it a lot on this show about following the whispers of your soul. The whispers of your soul are moments of consciousness of you being able to hear you know, what's trying to come through from your soul. So, you know, I mean, that's definitely happened to me. I talk about it on this show about the first song I ever wrote literally plunked itself down right into my head in the course of an afternoon. And I didn't write that song. I mean, I'm the first person to say I have no idea where that came from. I love the song, but in a lot of ways, I don't consider it mine because it's I never I didn't have to work at that one. There's so many songs I do have to work at. But that first one, I did not. It just came the way that it was. So it's, it makes it, it takes some of the stigma away to hear you say, you're just, you're allowing the thoughts to come in. And it's truly like a stream of consciousness. You know, when they say they're just right in a stream of consciousness, if you get blocked on something, it sounds like that's what you're doing. It's just, it's flowing. It's just much more fluid in you. Exactly. The stream has said this, and I love to repeat it. When we're at our best, we are all channeling. So that song that you wrote, you channeled it. Mm, mm-hmm. And we all do that. And think about this and everybody. And I always tell people, don't just believe what, what we share. You know, Open your mind to what the stream offers and what we teach and then go apply it in your life and see how it works. Mm-hmm. And then don't worry so much about where it's coming from, but worry about the, the impact of utilizing it in your life. So everyone has experiences when they are doing something that is routine but they're in a joyful state. Uh, I say um, very often taking a hot shower, taking a long hot shower and all all these amazing ideas come to you in the shower. Mm -hmm. Or if you drive a car, if you're out on a country road on a long drive and it's just relaxing and peaceful, and then all of a sudden these great new ideas come in while you're driving. Yeah. And you you find yourself saying, gosh, I wish I could write that down right now, but I'm driving or I'm taking a shower. (laughs) I've even had people talk about ironing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a cathartic quality to ironing clothes or gardening or something like that. We refer to those in the the Taya practice as low thought activities, which is actually a form of meditation because you are quieting your mind, all of the busy chatter in your mind that's going on all the time from all of the stimulation that we have in our current society. You're bringing your thought down to something singular, you know, taking the shower and you're relaxed and you're in a good mood and you're not challenged by anything in the moment or the drive or the ironing or or whatever it is. And these fantastic new ideas just pop in. That is channeling. That is source communicating directly with you. 
and everybody has it and everybody can experiment with it and receive it. But when we, we are fearful or we are angry or we're, you know, we refer to it as being down the spiral, you know, lower vibration, mm-hmm. then we're starting to cut ourselves off from it. And the further you, you go down your spiral, if you will, the more cut off of it you are. And you see a lot of things happening in society that are low vibrational acts that are all based in fear. And if, if people were meditating more and just being at peace more, we would have more peace in the world because there's really nothing to fear in the world. But we have this whole construct of, you know, all of this fear-based teaching that teachings that, that control us. And so the streams teachings are all about shedding all of that in your life and really releasing fear and releasing judgment. And when you release judgment, you release all of that inner judgment. Mm. And when you stop judging yourself, you, you are more connected to that energy your vibration is higher, you're channeling more and whatever it is that you do, you're at your best when you're up there. So that's what channeling is. And that's a great way to frame it. It makes it, well, as you said from the very beginning, it makes it accessible to everyone because it is. Everyone can have their connection with source. And like we said, people put different language to source and what that means for them, but it's a very high vibration and it sounds like it's a very loved-based experience. So beyond thinking about channeling, now I have a better sense about it. I'm a little more comfortable using the word. I'm curious about what are some of the teachings of the source? Like what are the greatest lessons that have come through you that have been enlightening for you or for others? Certainly. There there have been many. And I, I, my first book, shares 23 core messages from source. It's called The Stream, Eternal Wisdom for a Better Life. And that book answers at the time were the top 23 questions that we would get uh, that, you know, if you could talk directly to God or directly to source or however you label it, what would you ask? And those top 23 are in that book. But the most, the, the biggest thing that I've taken away, and this is the basis of the Taya practice. The Taya practice is a practice that I developed based on on the stream's teachings. And it's taken me a few years to get it fully fleshed out, you know, teaching it to other people, but now it's really ready for prime time, which is why I'm talking about it a lot more. Um, the, the biggest thing is that our current society, humanity, operates in reverse of universal law. So we are very often operating in opposition to natural universal law. So you've probably all heard of the law of attraction, that we're attracting every experience into our lives. And a lot of people get really frustrated by that. Some people even get angry with it because the first thing that comes up is, well, you know, did the people in the Holocaust attract that? Mm. Do, does someone with cancer attract cancer? Right. How do you attract? Well, attraction isn't about wanting and it's not about deserving. It can be, it can be utilized in, in your life, certainly, because there's things that we have all wanted that we have received, but there are also things that we have received that we didn't want. And there are things that we want that we never get. So the the streams teachings go really deep into all of that and really way beyond law of attraction into what we call vibrational flow, this system that we operate in where our vibration and we know our vibration by our mood, our emotions. It's we're always on this roller coaster. One day we're up and we feel fantastic and we're making plans for the future and we're trusting and we're believing and our confidence is high. And the very next day we might be in a completely different state for no apparent reason. And we use the term polarity a lot. And this is sort of the, the, the universal energy flow that creates astrology, the alignment of the planets. And, and you probably have delved into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that energy flow that does create a flow of experience based on different factors is present in our lives. And we all know it because our emotions are, are, are all over the place, some more than others, certainly. But we don't ever have this, this flow where we're just happy all the time. You know, there's always a little fluctuation. Sometimes we're a little more happy and sometimes we're not happy at all. You know, and, and we all create this unique signature, this unique vibrational flow in our lives. And really we create that flow based on our reactions to everything that's happened to us in our lives up until our now. So that's how we create our own personal vibration. We all have our unique vibrational signature. And we, we speak very often of a default vibration, 
being your life. Your life is a manifestation of your default vibration. You're getting what you believe. Everybody is. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're getting exactly what you want, but there's some things that, that every single person that's listening to this message, there's some things that you manifest easily that other people would love to manifest and can't. And there are some things that you can't seem to manifest that other people manifest with ease. That's true for everyone. That's a truism. So we get really deep into that. But I would say to sum up the biggest thing is this operation in reverse of universal law. We are taught to fear everything. We are taught to fear death. And a, and a big component of the stream's message is that we're all eternal beings. And we are operating a physical vehicle for a very temporary experience as a human being. But if we're eternal strands of consciousness, eternal souls, if you will, and you take that perspective and then reflect back on your human life, which is one of infinite experiences, that begins to take the pressure off the life that you're in. The idea that nothing can happen to us on earth that ends our consciousness. It might end our body, our physical being. It won't end our consciousness. And as human beings, we're very caught up in this, you know, gosh, something's going to, to end someone's life. And that's the worst thing ever. But yet we're all going to experience that sooner or later. Right. So we fear it so much because we're taught to fear it so much. So releasing fear and releasing judgment. And the judgment comes in really in our judgment of other people's experiences. Hmm. You know, we were talking about the news the other night and I said, you know what the news really is? The news is someone taking a collection of other people's experiences that are none of your business and forcing it upon yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to get, you know, really into worrying about everyone else's experience, of course, you're going to be able to find things that are going to lower your vibration that you don't want to, you know, see happening to other people. Of course you are. Yeah. But if you take the judgment out of it, and you're simply allowing all beings to have their experience, including you, think of how different life is when you take the judgment out of all that. So difficult. I, I mean, it's I can see the benefit. Obviously, it's something I think people who are on a spiritual path or on a, a path like that, you know, it's a lesson that you're supposed to be learning of taking the judgment out and operating from a place of love. But it is difficult. It's a conditioned pattern in our in our operating system, this judgment. And it starts really, I think, with yourself. You know, people who tend to judge themselves very harshly, they judge everybody else pretty harshly as well. And if you don't have a lot of forgiveness for yourself. Yeah, it's turned inward ultimately. Yeah, it's really turned inward. So that's, it's, I, I feel like that's just all such a hard balancing act. So it's not surprising that that would be the biggest lesson that's coming through, the, the judgment and things, because to think that you're manifesting everything that happens to you is that's a tough one to take in it's especially when the bad things are happening to you yeah yeah in the beginning of the teachings it can really turn people off and and the stream says it's okay if it turns you off you're not ready for it it's not the thing for you at this time it's okay and i i do love that about their message that it's not dogmatic it's not you know we are the stream and you must <laughs> listen to us and obey it's not like that at all mm -hmm. It's very much, we are here for those of you that are ready for it. And what I say about the stream, this is what I used to say about the Abraham material before I came out of the closet in this <laughs> channel. I always just said, set aside where it's coming from for a moment and just tune in and listen because there's such good information. Don't worry about where it's coming from. You know, there are some people that are really served by the, uh, you know, the, the pageantry of, oh, it's channeled and we're going to go and we're going to be in the flow of the channel. And you know, she's going to get up and, you know, she's going to do, to bring in uh, Abraham and, 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 and they're served by that. Mm -hmm. And those, the people that are into that love it and they're super, super into it. But a lot of times people are new to it and they're naturally skeptical. Trust me, no one was more skeptical than I was of all this stuff. But once I let go and allowed myself to just absorb the material, the more I started realizing what channeling really was, it's not something that we have to be afraid of. It's not anything that's even weird because we all do it. And it's really helpful in our lives. And it's extremely helpful because now, Becky, I've worked for three years now in a, in a boot camp scenario where I work with people and some people just want to have a, a heightened spiritual experience. And I love working with those people. And then I have other people that I work with that have really severe 
trauma in their lives. I, I have someone that I worked with whose son was murdered. I have another woman that, whom I've worked with whose son committed suicide. And transmuting those events from that, you know, very victim, this was a horrible thing. It should have never happened. It was awful. It was terrible. The worst thing anyone could ever imagine happening. And I certainly understand how we feel that way as human beings. But for the person that's stuck in that 24-7 for years of suffering as being the, the, the parent of a deceased child, especially in a tragic way, the only path out of that is to transmute that victim vibration that 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 the 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 judgment of it to something else and that works and it's powerful you know I, the, the woman whose son was murdered when she came into my uh, program i said okay I, I know you listen to my podcast and if you've listened for a while you know what this is all about she said i do i said all right so i have to ask you are you ready to find not only forgiveness, but ultimately a level of understanding. And we refer to it as appreciation. But if you're new to listening to this, the, the idea of appreciating your child being murdered sounds insane. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to go down that path. But appreciation means understanding from a higher perspective, removing the judgment from it. You know, how was this my son's path? This was his journey as a soul mm. that didn't end who he is consciously. How did he co-create that experience with this other person? And even if it sounds insane to you right now, when you are that mother that has suffered for five years and you delve into that level of thinking, it changes everything. Mm. And it did. Mm. So it's very powerful stuff. But of course, to get into this, you don't have to have that level of trauma in your life. But I like to use those extreme examples because everybody has something. You know, my mother was distant. My father abused me. You know, whatever those, those stories are that we all have something. And we think it's unforgivable. Yeah. So I go to the most extreme example just to illustrate that we possess the ability to forgive and understand and remove judgment from anything. And when you do and you start making that your way of life, life opens up and becomes so incredibly magical. And you get to this place where the 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 human idea of happiness is no longer defined by stuff and money and appearance and all of those things that everybody wants. You know, you learn about the law of attraction. You want to have the perfect body and you want to attract the perfect mate and you want to attract millions of dollars. And I understand that. I've been in, in that place before in my life. But this work is much more deep and profound than that. And the cool thing is, is that once you get into this level of thinking and this level of radical appreciation of all that is, including your current state of being, all the stuff comes with ease then because you don't need it anymore. Mm. Yeah. You're hitting on so many different points. We, we were talking a lot this season about contemplation and how, you know, the definition I love about contemplation is a long loving look at the real. So what you were just saying of really looking at something and seeing it, raising your level of consciousness and seeing it in a totally different way I see how that can really help you include the experience so that you can transcend the experience. And that's how you get to transformation. Like that's how it happens. So it sounds like your practice really helps people with that include part by giving them maybe a different lens to, to view the reality and what's real and what's happening without the judgment. I love that you're talking about taking all the judgment away because that it does. It feels like that's an unburdening of a situation to take all the judgment out. Indeed. And if you think about how our society operates, it's like this big onion with all these layers of judgment. Mm -hmm. And we start peeling those layers away. And certainly the, you know, some of those layers are easier to peel away than others. But the more you peel away those layers of judgment, the more life really becomes magical and opens up and you start realizing, gosh, you know, we, we run and you use a term that I, I use all the time, operating system. Mm -hmm. We have this sort of operating system that we create by default in our lives. And our operating system is very much about fear. You know, think about how much of our advertising is based on fear, our laws, our government. So much of it is really rooted in instilling fear in us so that we would behave in a certain way. But once you release fear, 
you're not suddenly behaving badly. In fact, my releasing of fear, I'm kinder to humanity. So we don't need to have fear to keep people from doing bad things because once you remove the fear, there's nothing left that's bad for them to do. You know, the person that walks in and shoots up the supermarket is always operating in a low vibration of fear. And, And that whole victim vibration, the world has been mean to me and now I'm going to act out and be mean back. Yet we never try to solve those problems this way. It's always, we've got to change the laws and we've got to push against, and that person is a monster and they're evil. And you can have all these labels, but none of those labels solve anything right? ever. That's why we have ongoing problems for centuries for all of humanity, really, yeah. that never really get solved because we are operating in that operating system that is a default operating system. And now we can create a new operating system where we're just not impacted by judgment and fear anymore. Mm. And you can get there. And it's amazing to me how quickly people do get there Mm. once they wrap their mind around what that really is. Wow. So I, oh, there are so many different ways I wanted to go here, but I wanted to get to, you've mentioned it a couple of times, your TIA program and your TIA practice. And I want you to go a little bit into what that is, what it stands for and what that's all about. Could you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, TIA, first of all, it's T-Y-A. It stands for Trust Your Abundance, but we've kind of turned it into a word. (laughs) So we call it TIA. Uh, And abundance means trust the universe to deliver an amazing life experience. Mm. Whatever your version of that is. It's not about go out and manifest Lamborghinis and yachts. If you want that, great. (laughs) I think that's wonderful. But you'll find that if you really just focus on money, as I did in my 20s and 30s, you land in this beautiful, expensive house with these beautiful cars and great clothes and all these things, and you're still not happy. (laughs) So I I really want a well-rounded happiness in my life. And that's what I started doing at 41, between 41 and and, and 50, started creating this system for myself because I understood the teachings of Abraham. I understood the teachings of the stream, which are are very aligned with Abraham, but it goes in in a really deeper um, direction that Abraham tends to do. Uh, and I'm only illustrating that because there, there is some difference between Abraham and the stream, but it's all rooted in universal law and there's no changing universal law. It is what it is. It's just a little different human philosophy, you know, in my filtration of it, of the information, I really wanted to go as deep as I could without fear. And the Abraham teachings really focus on just get happy, be happy, get everything that you want in that happy place. And that's absolutely true. And I think it absolutely serves the audience. But for me, I couldn't just get happy. I needed to create a system for myself to reprogram my subconscious mind to be happy because you know, at 40 years old, your subconscious is running on autopilot And you are creating by default from your subconscious mind because that's really creating your vibration. So I needed a system. And I realized that I had these walls that were built in my life that were really keeping me from being happy all the time through this up and down vibrational flow that we talk about. Because when I would meditate and appreciate and and the weather was nice and everything was perfect, then I could, I could, you know, get to that place very easily. But there were days that I couldn't. You know, when I was stuck in traffic yeah. or when the bills were past due or whatever right. it was. When life, you know. when life creeps in, yeah. <laughs> right. When life crept in, I couldn't stay in that space. And I realized that I had all these triggers. And I realized that I had all these triggers that were created from my father leaving when I was six mm-hmm. and my mother, you know, being not the world's greatest mother. <laughs> uh, I did not have a great relationship with her and didn't speak to her for the last 20 years of her life. She didn't speak to me, I should say. And you know, I had these things, this trauma that happened to me as a child and as a young adult and, and, and throughout life, because you keep recreating your trauma until you solve it. Yeah. And I have found that the solving of the trauma is digging into it and finding the appreciation well, well beyond forgiveness. A lot of people call that shadow work. We call it transgressor work. So until I went into that stuff and started cleaning up that stuff, I couldn't get to that just happy space. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, we have vibrational flow. I don't know anyone that operates in just happy all the time. Right. Yeah. That's not, that doesn't seem like a realistic thing to say. Yeah. I remember I had a guest spot one time and this woman was a a manifestation expert, quote unquote. And she was all about being happy all the time. Oh boy. Happy, happy, happy all the time. 
and something got crossed. I was supposed to be a guest on her show and I had it wrong in the calendar. And she sent me this litany of nasty messages. Yes. And I was like, oh no, I knocked her out of her happy place. What happened? <laughs> and isn't that the just, way? It's like people who, yeah. who demand to be happy all the time. It's like they're repressing they're repressing just a very real part of who we are. I mean, we have to embrace the whole of where where there's light, there's dark. And it's you've got yeah. to figure out how to balance that. And so, yeah, I, I find that people who want to be... Yeah, she was so mad. Uh, and I thought, gosh, you know, at least, you know, circle around and make sure my father didn't die right. or something before you get this angry with me. Yeah. So we worked it out and it was okay. And I won't mention her name, but it was, uh, you know, it was just a funny reaction from the, the queen of happiness. You know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> but it's, it's true. You know, we all go down our spiral. Mm-hmm. We, we are all going to have those moments and, and I don't begin to pretend to be happy all the time. You know, there are times that I, I'm out of alignment for sure. I have created in this practice, though, a lot of tools to work with vibrational flow instead of in opposition of it. Mm-hmm. So if you think of the, the Taya practice is the practical application of the streams teachings, we've taken the things in and they teach a lot of things, but the life teachings based in universal law taking that and applying it as a human being, really, I created the Taya practice with their teachings for myself before it was even called the Taya practice. And then I started a course in in 2017. I started the Stream of David podcast. I wrote my book and published that a little later in in 2018 and sort of just jumped out of the, the, the airplane without a parachute and quit my very high paying corporate job, having no idea how I was going to support myself or actually do this, you know, share this for a living full time. And this opportunity came along to teach a course online. And I took the opportunity and I enrolled a few people into my course and they were changing their lives in in just a matter of weeks, getting out of abusive relationships, excuse me, and manifesting new businesses and more money and better health and more confidence and just all these, these things. And we realized that Taya is the basic operating system for our lives from which you can create and change anything. So since I started teaching it, we've had miraculous healing. We've had people that were terminally ill that are still alive today. We've had people come back from cancer. Uh, as I said, exiting abusive relationships, manifesting new relationships, even marriages after 50, uh, fortunes, you know, multi-million dollar fortunes, uh, getting out of jobs that they didn't like into careers, and even businesses that, that are successful. Um, you know, weight loss, better health, you name it, uh, custody. Uh, we even had a woman uh, manifest, a, a, as she claims on her testimonial, a breast augmentation. So <laughs> <laughs> there's no judgment around what you manifest, but it really is. It's a basic operating system for your life. And from there, your version of abundance is up to you because there's no judgment in that. And, and you know, everything from, you know, coming back from, you know, a, a, a death experience to plastic surgery and everything in between. Mm. So it's, it's really turned out to be an amazing practice. And the people that have continued to do it, that have learned it and continued to apply it in their lives have found the same thing that I have found. You just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger results, more clarity, more abundance in different magical ways, more love of self and all that is, and, and you're not triggered anymore. Hmm. very rarely am I triggered by anything that I come across. I got a call from my uh, stepmother yesterday that my father uh, went in for a routine procedure and he ended up in ICU uh, intubated. Hmm. And I wasn't happy to hear that, but I didn't go racing down my spiral over it. I was really in appreciation that my father at 80, this is his experience. If it's time for him to transition, I'm at peace with that. If it's not, he'll come back and be okay. And sure enough, he's, he's recovering now. He's better. So the, the typical human response, is, oh my gosh, that's terrible. That's awful. I, I've got to take the rest of the day off. I can't, you know, I, I can't do anything. And, and, and what can I do, you know, other than send him my best wishes. And that's, that's what I did. You know, I don't live that close where I could just, you know, hop on a flight and just be right there. Right. So just handling life at that high level of a pre- deep appreciation of all that is and not being triggered by fear or judgment. And so much of our lives are operated in judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That sounds like a very powerful program. If you can move people through just even that, 
you know, getting people into an abundance mindset, getting people into a non-judgmental mindset, and getting people to a place where they can, you know, take that long, loving look at the real, what's real and what's happening. It sounds incredible, the results that you're getting, but it's not, I guess, too surprising if you can get people into those different mindsets, how powerful that can be. It is indeed. And it, it seems to work for everyone that applies it. So, and you know, you can Google the Taya practice and, and I have a, uh, the Stream of David um, YouTube playlist and the Stream of David website and all that stuff. You can go and check it out. There's a lot of testimonials. We have a lot of real testimonials from real people who have really changed their lives and it really does work. And I just want to spread it far and wide for everyone to learn, you know, whether they ever, ever get into one of my programs or not, I just want to teach it to everyone because I don't think I'm going to teach this to all of humanity. I don't know that all of humanity is ready for this mm -hmm. from a dude that channels, but for people that are, it's very transformative. Mm -hmm. It really brings peace and, and joy. And my favorite thing of all, which is clarity, just understanding the world and understanding your purpose mm. and understanding your eternal nature. That is my definition of clarity. And that's my favorite thing that, that is. Mm. That's beautiful. And I, I really love that, David, about you. I, I appreciate that about you. And when I followed you on Instagram and I've listened to a couple of your podcasts, one of the things that you say, and you say it often, is, and you've said it often in this show, give it a listen, remove what you're thinking is about where it's coming from, but give the teaching a listen. And if it resonates, if this sounds powerful to you, then take from it what you need. You're you're just so open about that. You're, there's no feeling of this is the right way, or I'm telling you absolute truth. And so you must follow. It's You have such a welcoming approach to this, which I think makes it so inviting for people to, you know, tiptoe into if they're a little intimidated, like I admitted that I was at the beginning of this show, to even just hear the messages. You, you're you very welcoming about it. So I appreciate that. And I thank you for that very much. Thank you. Thank you. And I also wanted to let people know on your Instagram, they can follow. You do live streams, which I think that you give it a whole, this is a whole new meaning to the word live stream, <laughs> but you do stream, you do channel the stream live on Instagram and people can see what that looks like. And it looks... I mean, I've watched them. It, it just looks very normal. It looks like you're having a conversation and you're answering. And it is a very flowy stream of consciousness thing. But a lot of it, it's you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds true and right. So people can check that out on Instagram. So tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram and where they can find more about the Taya program. Sure. The, the Stream of David uh, is just about where you can find us everywhere. So the streamofdavid.com is the website, the Stream of David on Instagram, the Stream of David page on Facebook. Uh, we also, if you're on Facebook, for those of you that are still on Facebook, uh, we do have a group called the Taya Practice, and you can join the group, the Taya Practice, T-Y-A, uh, and really get into learning this stuff deeper. And I do channel live uh, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific. That is in the, uh, the, the Taya Practice Facebook group. And we also broadcast that to my YouTube channel, which is also the Stream of David. And then every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, we're on Instagram. Mm. Yeah, you're out there. You're getting the message out there. Well, I thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing with us. I found this to be absolutely fascinating. And this has been just a lovely conversation, not intimidating at all. So I appreciate that. And really just bringing forward such a positive message of how we can transform our lives by looking at things differently and pulling information for ourselves. And that source, like you said, we all have connection to source. We all can listen, get quiet, and hear that inner wisdom pushing us forward. So I loved your message today, David. And we had talked about this before we started. Maybe we'll have you back another time when you can do, you can actually channel the stream for us and we can hear what that's all about. But Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. I love your energy. I love the vibe of the, of the podcast for sure. And I would love to come back. All right. So what did you think about that conversation with David Strickle? Wasn't he the best? Wasn't he so patient and generous and kind in dealing with my intimidation about him being a channel? I really appreciated that about him, and I appreciated the lessons that he was imparting and the things that he has learned on his own path. I am super excited to keep going on my path. I've got some great songs in the works that I cannot wait to share with you guys. I'm going to be heading into the studio to record them soon. 
I've got a lot of creative projects going on at the studio with my work, through our business partners, through our children's book author who we had on the show, Julia Incero, if you remember her episode. We ended up writing some songs for her books. Oh my gosh, you guys. So much fun. Such unbelievably good, great work to do. Looking forward to doing some more of that. Just staying really busy, very creative, and still very dedicated to this podcast and bringing you high-quality conversations. I'm just not going to do it as often as I have been. I've been putting out about a show a week for, gosh, since I launched the show in last end of September, October, I guess it was. And it's been great, and I have enjoyed it. But I'm going to slow my pace a little bit. So you've got this episode for June. I'll be back at you in July with another episode, maybe one or two in July, maybe one or two in August. We'll see. If there's something you know that you want to hear, let me know. Shoot me a message and my direct messages over on Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song. You can check out my website, theintuneexperience.com, to keep up with me there. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. But until then, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for listening and have a really great week. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street. Form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.426studios.com.